to episode 17 of the Flag Stays Down podcast. I uh, got a full house plus one today. Uh, we got myself, Andy, uh, currently on the COVID list. Premier League would not suspend the game. Uh, we got Parker, Matt, and then a uh, friend of the pod and uh, Liverpool fan, Jim slash Joe Match. Joe, we'll start with you. How are you doing tonight? I am doing just fine, just like my team. Running second in the table behind City, who has just been super consistent, that it's been very frustrating. Um, I got a bad feeling that it's going to be just like a couple of years ago where we end a couple points short, even though we stay in tremendous form. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't really argue that. Um, and it, it's something actually that we've talked about before looking at the December schedule. I think Liverpool might have had the hardest out of the three at the time between Chelsea, Liverpool, and City. I think Liverpool had the hardest schedule. Um, so City's kind of going through a cakewalk. You know, we've got our stuff going on and, you know, kind of trying to recoup from that. But, um, no, I, I I like I like where things are right now, so to speak, um, with – at least with Chelsea, everybody kind of coming back slowly but surely. Um, so it's it's been a very eventful December. At least you guys have had draws, not losses. You can at least hang on that. So you guys have been, are what, still, I think, five points off the top? Six points? Yeah, six. Six points. Yeah. As you guys are still within striking distance, I mean, really anything can happen, especially – now with COVID seemingly knocking everybody out, <laughs> it seems to be players dropping like flies. So you never really know who's going to be in the team sheet from day to day. And the African Cup of Nations is coming up where your Egyptian king will be gone for, for, a, for a few matches. So I think I read that he's probably going to play against us still, uh, which is Fortunate for you, unfortunate for us, but uh, you'll still you'll still be with Autumn for a few, so helps us a little bit in the race. And Sadio Mane. Yeah, and Mane. So losing both wingers is going to be very, very tough. Yeah, you guys have the firepower to, to make do with it. The nice thing is the, the young kids like Tyler Morton at least are stepping up in the midfield so we can move around some pieces. Maybe have Jota uh, play out on the wing and um, – you know things like that thankfully we have the depth yeah definitely it's a it's a very good thing and we're kind of starting to realize that we have depth but maybe not in all the right places and definitely not enough of it when a lot of people are missing from covid so yeah you don't you don't have as much as you think when you have to put out a team like that so it's tough but smooth transition we uh we did see that there was some depth midweek against Brentford as we uh, we head on to the Carabao Cup semis. Uh, yes, 2-0. Saw the, the debuts of Harvey Vale, Xavier Simons, Jude Sunsip Bell, uh, among others here. And honestly, the, the boys looked better than, than some of the end-of-the-bench scrubs, particularly uh, Ross Barkley. Uh you know, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the full match. I, I saw bits and pieces of it, but from what I saw, you know, uh, Vale and uh, Sunsa Bell look, look pretty good. Yeah, I I watched the match, and 
I mean, in all honesty, if we do run into a scenario where we don't have Rom or Timo like we did for a while, I would not be upset with starting Harvey Vale up top. Um, he showed great link-up play. He showed his ability to um, – he showed his ability for, for hold-up play. I thought he did a tremendous job in that regard. Um, and he doesn't really look like much. <laughs> like, if you look at him, he doesn't look like much, but he was very solid um, in going up against the center backs and everything like that. So I, I was very impressed with how he played. Um, you know, Bell and, and, and Simons, they, they were not bad at all. Um, I thought that they had good debuts. Um, I obviously wouldn't be shouting their praise for first team yet, but I, I do think that they, they put out a very respectful effort in their debut and they did a lot of positive things. So um, I'm glad that they got the opportunity and I, I like where, where those three are headed uh, going forward. I think it's always cool to see, you know, some of your U23 team get called up uh, due to unfortunate circumstances. I think uh, uh, our manager, Mr. Tuchel, has, has been a little bit upset with, with how the league is kind of going right now with uh, having to play um, as many matches in quick succession with players out due to COVID. It doesn't allow for squad rotation as much. And it's just, it's just kind of a grueling uh, aspect to it. So I know he's not super happy, but uh, it is cool to see um, some of the academy players. Uh, we all talk about Reese James and Mason Mountain and the likes of a lot of our guys, uh, Trev. And, and you know, that, that's the future of our squad. So I, I want to see more of it. Um, hopefully just kind of rotate and get into the team. But, um, you know, if it has to happen this way, then it has to happen this way. So... Props to the guys. I think they all, uh, you know, made the manager proud and, and did a good job. So I didn't get a chance to watch the match midweek during my busy season, unfortunately, but uh, heard a lot of good things. I uh, heard more negative about Ross. Like you said, Collins, it was kind of a, a shit on Ross parade on, on Twitter. Uh, so I think that must have been sort of deserved uh, to see sort of an overwhelming response like that. But, um, but yeah, the, Good result, good win, and I think we play Arsenal in, in the semis here. I think there's a final four now, something like that. So, uh, moving on in another cup and uh, and pushing on for another trophy. Yeah, and Ross Barkley was our man of the get the fuck out of here award winner, garnering a whopping eighty percent of the vote, which was, I believe, one of our highest of the season. But I, I do want to talk about our man of the match from that that fixture, Kepa Riza Balaga. You know, we're coming right into to AFCON season. Uh, Mendy's going to be leaving right after the Liverpool match uh, from everything I've read. And it seems like we're going to be in good hands with a guy that previously we didn't necessarily trust a whole ton in Kepa. Uh, made a couple of crucial saves. Fortunately, this time didn't have to go to penalties for him to bail us out again. Uh, but, you know, in every performance he's had so far this season, I, I think he's done well. Uh, I can't really think of a, a time where, he got beat, and I was like, ah, anyone else would have made that save. Uh, Kepa, once again, kind of shone through. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing with Kepa is, as has been kind of well noted, and we've talked about this, kind of 
anything outside of the box. That's kind of where we have issues with Keppa. Um, we we got, I, I think we got relatively fortunate against Brentford in the fact that a lot of their chances were kind of right at him. So we really didn't have to move a whole lot. Um, so we were fortunate in that in that respect. But on the flip side, I do think that he has been playing a lot better. I think his confidence was shook under Frank. And I think that he's slowly getting back to the level of the keeper that we paid so much for. Um, again, I don't think he's fully there, but I do see signs that his confidence is growing and, you know, this could be a blessing in disguise having Mendy go to, um, to the Africa cup of nations. It gives Kepa a brand new opportunity. And then going even further, you look at, um, Bettinelli. I mean, we've got cup games coming up too. You know, what are you going to prioritize? Are you going to prioritize chasing the Premier League? Are you going to look at, you know, Carabao Cup or something like that? Where are you going to hold them? Because you can't run Kepa into the ground for however many matches and competitions that we're still in. So it might be a chance for Bettinelli to get in and kind of show what, what he can do. He's always been on the sub list, but he's never played. So I, I think this would also be a, a good opportunity for him in the same way that the Brentford match was a good opportunity for our kids to, to kind of be able to, to show what they have and, um, and, and produce at the level that they did. So I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. And I did notice this week that Bentonelli is starting to feature more on Chelsea's social media. So Matt, I think you're right. I think he's, he's being prepped to, to take over some cup ties. Uh, Parks, I did look it up where we have a uh, Tottenham in the semifinals, home and away. Ah, nice. So we have. Uh, and before we move on, I did want to just at least comment on the ridiculous Liverpool Leicester match with, with our resident, you know, Liverpool guest on. Uh, Joe, I really did think Mina Mino was going to be your your savior, and then instantly kind of foil it away in the in the penalty shootout. Hitting uh, <laughs> uh, the in that moment that was because I was watching it at work and unfortunately my boss saw my reaction because I thought for sure that he was going to be able to put it away and then just grazes right off the top of the crossbar I just put my hands on my head and she's like what's wrong are you okay <laughs> I was like, hopefully I will be <laughs> you guys found a way to pull it out man though the 95th minute goal that to, to tie it up and 3-3 and then to go into pens and find a way that can you know to, to pull it out. Uh, so, so impressive win for Liverpool against Leicester there. Absolutely. And we got the um, match coming up against them this weekend before we play you guys. So, or not even this weekend, I think it's the 28th even. Uh, if it doesn't get postponed, who the hell knows if anybody's going to play anymore, but um, it's going to be, it's going to be very high intensity. I have a good feeling that there's going to be some bad blood coming from that Carabao cup match. So it's going to be a fun one. And move, moving on to, uh, you know, to back, back to the, the Premier League here. Uh, Chelsea did finally get back in the win column. 3-1 uh, victory over Villa. Uh, Jorginho, Matt's favorite player, uh, scoring from the spot uh, twice in the match, actually. Uh, and then Big Rom contributing on his return in the 56th minute. 
off a beautiful ball from Callum Hudson Doy. Uh, only goal for Liverpool came via a beautiful header from Reese James, believe it or not, in one of his poor perform sole poor, poor performances of the year. I I think the the big talking point in this one, uh, at least from what I've seen in our group chat here, is is Big Rom and and his return to the side and the impact that he's made. Parker, what what'd you make of his performance? It was like when we first saw him debut for Chelsea. He was kind of uh, rough and bruising, made good runs. And, you know, one of the things we do talk a lot about is, is when Rom comes in, it seems like the crosses kind of start to dry up. And that wasn't the case. They found a way to get balls center uh, into him. And he was able to put one away and, and he was able to win a penalty, which was well-deserved. Uh, in a foot race, showed some pace, showed some muscle, didn't give up on the play. And uh, I always kind of saw him sniffing around too. You he made a couple of like uh, runs, some some speculative runs, if you will, kind of maybe if someone bobbles a ball or if someone misplays a ball uh, runs, which I love to see because people do make mistakes uh, in the back and, and he was kind of like looking to poach and looking to take advantage. So I saw him always on the hunt and he brings a ton of energy and you could just, you could just see him out there and you could see what it meant to him to be back and to kind of feel like he, it was his return. It was kind of like his, uh, you know, just statement moment, like I'm back, baby. Like let's, let's freaking go. So it's been too long. Uh, it's been gosh, three, four months since he scored in the premier league. So, uh, I thought he played well. Um, but, uh, Hudson and Joy also had a fantastic match as well. And so, um, dude worked tirelessly and, and got to give him a lot of credit as well. So, especially with the ball and, uh, into Ram, find him on a glancing header. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it made me very happy to see him back very thrilled. I hope he continues his form and I hope we continue to find ways to use him uh, in different ways and in ways that suit his mat, uh, to suit his game. So I really, uh, really was happy. Yeah. I mean, you, you covered everything, right? We, to me, we saw the ROM that we saw it enter. We saw that, that striker who could outpace the center backs, the wing backs, could go body to body with anybody. Like if you look closely at the at the replay, Tyrone Mings was trying to give him like a hip check too. And he just went straight through and like, no, this is just going to be mine. Um and with Rom, that's what we expect. We expect him to be that big body up top. Um and Again, you see it with the run where he drew the penalty. He bodied target twice, took out Konsa, who then had to take out his ankle, which for me, that worried me because I'm almost positive that's the same ankle that he got injured in or that was injured against Malmo in the Champions League. So that had me worried because it was not a great tackle, kind of like the one on Cho that could have gone real bad real quick. Um, but it's good to see him back up there up top. Um, and honestly, I was more excited to see Cho than I was Rom. I, I think Cho has done so much given the opportunities in that left wing position. Um, and you see the difference right away. You know, even if you have 
Christian on the left, you see a completely different dynamic with Cho out there on the left. He's proven that he deserves that spot. I think he's earned that spot until Timo can recapture it from him, which right now I don't see that being really in the cards for him. Um, but I was, I, again, I was nervous after that own goal, however you want to call it. it it's just unlucky. And I feel like we've been dealing with a lot of that lately. Going back to West Ham and Masawaku with his bullshit cross that was a goal near post, whatever the hell that was. He didn't even know what it was. Even David Moyes is like, yeah, he was meaning to cross that. So it, it is what it is, but to see the boys come back, score three, um, definitely was, uh, I think we might be able to chalk this up as a turning point. Um, obviously it's late in December. We always struggle in December. It's a well-proven fact. We've talked about it numerous times. Um, I just feel that this performance showed a lot about who we are when we do have everybody at full strength and we are staying true to who we are as a team. And you, you guys both talked on on Rom being, you know, the the physical force. Uh, Matt, you touched on him making runs like he did at Inter. All of that. Uh, that's literally all I had to say, with the exception of one thing, and, and that's that he brings a different uh, a different level of leadership to a very young team. You know, he, he's not necessarily a, an old guy, but he's not a young guy either. He's what twenty eight, um, but he has international experience he has experience in the premier league he has experience in other leagues he knows how to make those runs and then you you see his post-match comments just like we talked about at the end of the leeds match him and tony getting into it with leeds uh you know you, you saw ron comment about oh well now we're the hunters just just those little things is the things that you love to see as a fan and i would imagine you know if if i'm playing for chelsea which again they Having COVID, I probably could, but um, <laughs> it, I don't know. It, it's just like I, I'd, I'd be fired up by that. Be like, hell yeah, yeah, we're Joe, we're we're, we're coming for Liverpool and then City. Like, it's it, it's good to see, and I'm I'm glad to see some fire in the boys. That's a that's a take it on a down note. The the only thing that I was like bummed about in the match was what seems to be like that injury bug that keeps coming back around. Um, Silva got subbed off with, I think, a hammy. Trev got subbed off and Conte got subbed off. I think we used all three of ourselves by like the 62nd minute or something like that. So it, you hate to see it. Um, and I, I do think some of this is, is just because we don't have as much uh, squad rotation. I said about it earlier, we don't have the ability to rotate. Um, and it's it sucks to see. So I'm hoping, um, especially Conte. Uh, I love Conte, and, and I think he sort of re-injured his knee, uh, the same knee. Um, I think he, the comments where he felt pain where he did uh, after the Juve match. So uh, I hope we can be able to rest some guys and, and, and get them back to, to full fitness so that when we do play the big boys, you know, we're, we are at our strongest 11, uh, maybe without chills, but. Strongest 11 besides Chelsea. 
Well, and on top of those guys who were subbed off, there were reports that, that Reese James picked up a knock, but couldn't be subbed off because we were out of subs at that point. And it's just like, man, we, we get through the whole COVID thing. The league doesn't postpone any of our matches. So we got to play through it. And now everybody goes down with injuries. And it's like, it's December at Chelsea. There, there's no other way to describe that. But why yeah. can't we go to five subs? Like, what's the issue? I, I don't know why the league doesn't pivot on this. I don't know why they're digging their heels in. I think it sucks. And, and what I find kind of interesting is the fact that some matches are postponed, but others aren't. To me, that's that's kind of a, a big deal. Like, I can understand if it's an outbreak on one team. Like, I, I can understand that. But when you're postponing multiple matches, something has to be done. And obviously, Tuchel has expressed his opinions on it. He clearly thinks that it's bullshit. Um, I mean, granted, I love watching Chelsea play. I love watching football in general, even if it is a Liverpool game, which, Joe, I did watch. I did watch the Pens. So against Leicester, so I was I was all about it, um, but at the end of the day, like you know, you can't keep putting specific teams who have this ridiculous schedule up against and and like have them play, and then you have teams that don't have a ridiculous schedule, but they have a COVID outbreak, and then well, no, their game's postponed, but ours isn't. I just, I don't see how that makes sense. Um, And I actually saw something that Man United didn't play a game for almost two and a half weeks because because their opponents or something, Matt. Yeah. Their, their opponents had whatever their opponents had the game postponed or whatever the case is like, how is that even fair? To me, it is ridiculous. If you're going to shut it down, you shut everything down. You don't just go on a case-by-case basis. It's it's not fair. I don't want to call whoever wins the Premier League this year like an asterisk. I don't want to put that out there. But if it continues down this trend, that conversation has to be had. It's true because I know the clap has also backed um, five subs along with Tuchel. So um, I, it kind of goes along with, cause we've had one match postponed and that was Leeds um, this week. And you're 100% right. If, if you are going to be postponing for other top teams, you have to do it for all of them or you have to at least give, everybody the same chance otherwise it's not fair and to be honest fuck united no one likes united so the fact that we're giving them the most days off is kind of ridiculous so which, let's I, find, um, which I find hilarious because they drew against newcastle today right. <laughs> if castle <laughs> i love it so i absolutely let's, love it let's go a little uh new year's resolution fun here let's say you're the uh the head of the fa you got three different changes you can make. You do five subs, you eliminate the, the Carabao Cup, or do you do like a German-style winter break? I think you do a winter break. You you let the season, if it has to, it runs a little bit further. 
because is there what major competitions going on this summer? Is it no, World Cup this year? It's in winter. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, it's it's in winter because it's in Qatar this year. Yeah. So you just halt it, and then you let the season go a little bit further into summer, and then maybe you do something like the NBA did, where they had kind of a, a delayed start to the season. What was it? Two years ago, they had like that delayed start to the season. And then maybe you just shorten that season. Mm-hmm. You go down to playing every team once and just have that shortened season. And then you let everybody reset for 2024, 20, 25, whatever that would be. And you just go that route. Uh, it, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to player health and safety, I find the Premier League kind of in kind of wearing the uh, the old clown face. They don't know what to do. They seem like any like any big pro team in in America, right? The NFL, the NBA, MLB. It's a business. It's money. They need to be able to sustain the viewership contracts with. NBC, um, you know, ESPN, whoever's going to be going to be promoting them. It's all about making money. And to me, player safety is second to that. And I personally don't like it. But at the end of the day, that's kind of what it is. It it boils down to just being a business. Yeah, and you can hear it with Tupel's comments. He, He people were praising Rob and people were praising some of the guys performance. And he said, yes, but at what cost they weren't ready to come back yet. They weren't fully fit yet. They, they had to step in and they had to. And of course, I mean, can you imagine at Dave as Filiqueta, if, if Tuchel asked him like, Hey, can you go today? Can you imagine him being like, nah, boss, I'm, I'm not fit. Like he's going out there unless he like physically has a cast on his leg. Like, there's no chance that dude's ever like saying no to match time like that. And so it's just the character of the players. I, I think they, they want to play, they want to help, but if you almost have to protect them against themselves and that's what Tuchel is sort of advocating for is we need to, these are our assets. Uh, our biggest assets is our players and we need to protect them. And we need to set something up. I think to answer your question, Andy, I think that, the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest thing to implement that doesn't require four years of outplanning seasons, Matt, is, is the five subs rule. I, I just think uh, you can you can kind of do that day one and it doesn't impact too much. Now, I understand fully that that is easy for me, a Chelsea fan, to say it does favor teams that have uh, bigger depth. And, and so I, I understand the, the counter argument against it, but it is still an even playing field across where every team gets five subs. It's not just for some of the big clubs. Um, and, and they have also have, you know, squad rotation things and it's for their safety. And so I think you can make the argument that in, in a time like this, you kind of need to make some judgment calls and some, you know, I, I think the other thing that the Premier League talks about is uh, like sort of the integrity of the league. and they, they want things to be as consistent as possible year over year. And, we're just, we're just kind of beyond that right now. We, we have to kind of do what we have to do and we have to make decisions uh, that might not be fun to make, but uh, 
it's for the best and it's for the players best and, and to still have a season that looks and feels and smells like the Premier League. So that, that would be the easiest thing to implement. I think that they should do that today. Playing a little devil's advocate, what would you boys think about the teams that aren't necessarily following all of the protocols and are having all these outbreaks? What are your thoughts on maybe having them being forfeits? I'm, I'm right on board with that. The only, the only problem I see is that it, it isn't a franchise league, is that each club is independently owned. So I think it's a little bit tougher for the Premier League to institute these rules. But, it, you know, if, if they are and the, the clubs don't protest, I am 100% on board with, you know, Spurs, perfect example. They, they had a COVID outbreak for, what, three weeks? I mean, yeah. really the only repercussion they got from that was being kicked out of the Conference League by UEFA. Right. Big, big fucking whoop to them. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% on board. Yeah, I, I thoroughly like that idea. Um, the, the only other thing I will say to it is, you know, when you have teams that are so close, like we look at teams in London, right? You have how many teams in London in the Premier League? Five or six? Six, I think. So, and who knows? Because the other thing is you have fans now at the games. So they're touching the ball when somebody boots it out of bounds. They have to go throw that ball in. Who knows if they get it that way? I think it's a very tough thing to, to try and regulate when it comes to something like that. So then you're looking at, well, do we get rid of fans and do, and do we just go back to where things were a year ago? Um, I think that's kind of a tough thing to regulate. Now, if somebody on the team broke protocol, that's a whole different issue. But you got to wonder if it might be and they're just being covered up. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is like, who's, who knows what's, what's the actual truth, right? <laughs> you're playing a, a basically a guessing game with no correct answer. Um, so I, I, I do like the idea of it. I really do. But I think it would be, be very, very tough to implement that when you can't basically find a source. Here's even the question. If you could, even if you couldn't, sorry, Joe, even if you couldn't find the source, if, if you just had a, if you have nine players or X amount of players test positive, and the other team doesn't, then you then you forfeit. It doesn't matter the source, or it doesn't matter sort of the, the reasoning behind it. It's just a sort of a pure and simple rule. Could be. And so, Matt, you kind of touched on it. I guess, question for everybody, do we think that we finish the season with fans? I, I think we finish the season with fans, but I think there's going to be a stretch for the fans. From, from everything I've read, uh, Omicron, Omicron, whatever you call it, is just, yeah, <laughs> just going nuts through Britain at the moment. And at least from, from what I'm seeing on Twitter is people don't really give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you're going to see a, a brief shutdown or brief behind closed doors period. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if as soon as, things, as soon as things get warm and people can be outside and numbers dip, that they allow people back in. Mm -hmm. I think I think we see... I forgot who was doing it in the NFL. I think it was Buffalo that did it. They cut capacity down to half. 
I think you see something like that. Um, capacity gets cut down, but not completely eliminated. Mm-hmm. So I think you go back to maybe like 5,000 in attendance. Um, but I don't think you go full, you know, behind closed doors. I think you just limit attendance and keep things at a manageable rate. You, you know who would thrive with that? It would be City. City. <laughs> City gets to have their normal fan base attending matches. and There you go. Back. Yeah. A big fuck you to all the bots blowing me up this week over that. Hey, you, you have to remember half of the people in attendance are going to be the supporters of, of the opposition. So let's not give them the full 5,000. Let's give them about 2,500 on a good day. Shout out to uh, the, the Badger Hopper fighting a good fight this week with me. Appreciate <laughs> it. I, I think we're going to call me the optimist or the whatever, but I think we're going to end with, with full fans. Um, it seems like as these variants continue and the symptoms become a little less severe each time, it seems, uh, but they become more contagious. I, I don't see, I, I think it's just going to become kind of commonplace that everyone kind of has it or is going to get it kind of a thing. And, and it's going to be taken less and less seriously. So unless something sort of drastic happens from now until the end of the season, I don't, I don't think shutdowns are apparent. Uh, I think when, when this disease was really rapidly killing people uh, or at least more rapidly killing people, I think we really had to hit the pause button, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's the case uh, from me, the not doctor. Uh, It doesn't seem like that's the case. So uh, if it remains like that, I think that we have fans and stands. I personally think that they're probably just going to start maybe enforcing getting tested and coming with a negative test or you know vaccination status something like that and at least enforcing that a little bit tougher than i think they are <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure we've all seen the video of the uh the security guard at some premier league game just trying to pat pat down some guy and he barely touches them yeah you're good like we know it's probably not the cream of the crop running security at these premier league games so they i saw there was a kid who was a pitch invader after the man u newcastle game today like okay we're not dealing with a quality security b (laughs) probably not the most in shape people either so like we, we have to say it it's it's probably not the greatest but you know it it is what it is so well, Matt, it's a good thing Sam Kerr wasn't on the pitch thing because that kid would have gotten lit the fuck up. <laughs> Oof. Oh, Sam Kerr. What a legend. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, I'm going to take, take charge of the ship here and make a sharp right turn. Uh, and uh, no, you don't have transition here. Uh, we're talking about Sam Kerr giving body blows. Matt, I know you want to give a body blow to Mason Mount here. So go, go ahead, my friend. Yeah, so here here is my my question, my my debate topic. So watching the Villa game, watching him against Brentford, is is he kind of trying to overhype himself? And what I mean by that is 
is he trying to do way too much on the pitch by himself and not include people? Um, I, I saw a lot of it more specifically in the Villa game. And granted, he's been on an absolute tear lately, so I don't fault him for that. But when you have the ability to link up with N'Golo Kante, Christian Pulisic, you have Rom back, and he's trying to do all this stuff by himself like he used to do. It To me, I, I think he's really trying to put the team on his back when he doesn't have to. And I think that's it, it might, at the end of the day, be a downfall for him. It might spell his exit from the club if he continues on this path. Let me just say that. If he continues on this path, trying to do everything himself. it To me, it seems like he's not playing the same way that he used to. Um, he's, he's just being very selfish with the ball. It seems like. I, so I guess my, my response is, is two parts here. Yes. I think he is doing that, but I don't, it, it doesn't bother me in the least. I think one thing that we've seen out of this Chelsea team in the last two years is that we don't have guys who want to pull the trigger. Uh, with the exception of Rom, because, you know, he just doesn't get any service to begin with. But, you know, how many times have, have we complained to one another watching a game? You know, there's like 15 passes in the box on a breakaway. Why? Someone pull the trigger. How many times do we have shots blocked because there's too much indecisiveness? It's, it, it's running rampant at the club. And, yes, Pulisic is a great player, makes great runs, good finisher. Uh, but outside of that, we got to have somebody who's just willing to pull the trigger <laughs> and Mace has proven that he can score goals. And when he's, you know, when, when he's in form, he is in form. He's, he's clearly one of the best in the league um, when he's at the top of his game. I have no problem with it. I, I don't have no problem with it either. Um, when I look at our starting 11, he's the one dude who's got free reign to shoot uh, pretty much at will um, just because we need goals and goals have come at a premium for our team. Uh, I completely echo Collins' statement that I feel like it's, it's the FIFA goal. It's like the 18 passes in the box that lead to a, you know, tap in you know, goal that just looks pretty on paper, but we, we do a lot of that and it, it ends with, you know, no attempt or no shot or a shot that gets blocked. And it's just, it's just frustrating because it's all of this build up. It's like two minutes of passing and, and no, no end result. So, or not even like an end effort. If, if all of that led to a shot on target and it leads to a goalie save, like I can live with that, but, or a good ball into the box, I can live with that. And, and we see that time and time again. So Mount for me has got free reign. Um, Matt, I don't know. I wish these are the moments I wish we were watching together where like you can say it as it's happening because when I watched the match, I didn't think he was being overly selfish. Um, I know the one that a lot of people turned to was sort of that breakaway that he kind of took and fired, but I don't think he really had anyone on that breakaway either. There was no clear pass. There was no, um, unless he would have stopped up and, and kind of let some stuff develop there, there was no real clear movement. And I like the first time shot on there. So I know he missed, um, but I, I think like Colin said, when, when he's informed, he's informed and, and right now, scoring, you know, four or five goals in the past couple of matches. He's definitely in that form where 
uh, I'll allow it. If it was uh, someone else, maybe I'd be a little less. If it was Pulisic taking six shots a match and he hasn't been in that goal scoring form, I might you know, second guess it, but not me. So I think he's got, he's earned that right uh, for me and earned the right to be a little selfish. Now, if it continues and it, and it gets bad and we're really blowing some, some clear chances and stuff, then, then for sure, like I will eat my words and I will take that back, but uh, it hasn't been as glaring to me. So right now I'll allow it. Yeah. And so I I'm, I'm not against him taking shots. Uh, I guess that's, that's what I want to clarify. It's kind of his movement with the ball when he has it, he's trying to like, split defenders when he definitely has a different option where he can rotate the ball around and things like that. He, uh, to me, that's what I mean when he's trying to do too much, he's trying to like create everything by himself when he has other people that can help him create, he definitely has the link up ability and he's got the people that he can link up with. There was a a great link up play between, I, I think it was him, Conte and Pulisic. It was, it was beautiful to watch, but it only happened like once or twice, and it was open every single time. I think that he's kind of, by watching this Villa match, I think he kind of has blinders on to, to some of the other things that are going on and to keeping everybody else involved and being able to create those opportunities for the team. It seems like we're, we're relying on him to a point, not to the exact point, but to a point of Aiden Hazard. Here's the ball, do some magic with it. And that is not that is not how we are built. We're not reliant on one player. We're reliant on a team game link up and being able to realize what's available, what's not, and then reset. So I think the... The, the analogy for, for you guys and for, for those who listen who are familiar with volleyball, Mace is like that lefty setter, the, the six-foot lefty setter. He Yes, he, he can certainly distribute. He can link up, um, but he can also go for the kill, go for the goal. But if he doesn't trust his outside, if he doesn't trust his middle, if he doesn't trust his right side, which over the course of the last month, I could see him losing faith in a lot of his teammates. I mean, we've scored, you know, probably a handful of goals all month in nine matches. If, if he wants to go for it and he's got the ability, I, I think that it's something that, you know, it, if he can force us into, into some situations where we're scoring goals, I, I'm all for it. At the same time, he doesn't know who he's playing with. <laughs> like he really doesn't know who, who's on the team sheet. It varies game to game, especially with with this December. Injuries, COVID. He doesn't know who he's lining up against. We don't know if he's coming in off the bench, if he's starting. It, it's it's really a crapshoot. I guess at that point, if you put it like that, it comes down to does he trust the system that Tuchel has in place? Or is he just trying to kind of go rogue and do it all himself? For what it's worth, I think, like, when Pulisic moved to that like left winger role and was able to link in with him a little bit more, I thought that was better. It, it looked a lot more positive uh, for Christian. And then I think it, it helped mount out and helped Ram out and it helped sort of the flow of the game. Um, we, we seemed a bit congested in that first half and it uh, 
uh, the second half we were able to open up a bit more. So uh, Kovacic also helps with that. But. You know, we, we do have Brighton midweek here. Uh, you know, we, we don't know any Brighton fans, so we did not bring any Brighton experts on the pod. You know, I used to work for American Express, their chief, their chief sponsor. So I can say they have a cool name stadium, but that's about all I know. Uh, we do have resident Liverpool fan, Joe, uh, as mentioned earlier on the pod here. And so I do want to talk about that game. It's going to be a big game, uh, January 3rd at Stamford Bridge against Liverpool. The last game before everybody goes off to AFCON. I, 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 I'm curious to know how, how you guys feel, Matt, Matt and Parker, but I'm really curious to know an outsider's perspective, Joe, how you're feeling coming into this match. A little nervous. Um, I'm not quite sure who's going to be all playing in our midfield. I'm not sure if Tiago is going to be uh, fully back because I know he was dealing, with, not necessarily with COVID, but I think he had a little nagging injury. Um, we just have to have Henderson and Tiago in the midfield, and then I'll feel a little better uh, just because <laughs> Nabiketa, he he's been playing okay, but he – he does not help nearly as much defensively as um, Tiago and Henderson. Um, we also have been missing Fabinho quite a bit as well. If we could ever get him back, that would be huge. But the, the nice thing is, and it's something that we haven't had in years past is actually center back depth. Um, so we have big verge, obviously. And then uh, Joel Matip has been playing out of his mind. <laughs> I mean, no one really would have expected that, but I mean, the, we signed Konate, but he, I don't know. He hasn't really found the chemistry, I guess, with Verge and others. Um, Cause there's still some lapses in there, um, especially in judgment and who to cover when, the, when the opposing teams are coming into the box and it's, it's cost us a few goals, but um the one person I would like to see get a little bit more run and he's becoming more of a cult hero more and more is Nat Phillips uh, center back. He's a little bit further down the depth chart, but man, that guy is tough. And and he has played beside Virgin, beside Matip and Joe Gomez um, through the, the COVID year, especially. So, I mean, it's nice to finally have some center back depth instead of having to play James Milner and Jordan Henderson um, in the backs. But um, as long as we can keep that midfield solid, I think we'll be okay. So, so my question would be earlier in the year, right? When we played Reese, Reese James had the red still couldn't pull through. And that was probably your, your ultimate starting lineup. I would imagine. Yeah. So what, what what are your thoughts on that? If And granted, we all know, and we'll all admit to this, defensively we played out of our minds. Like we, we absolutely did. We thought that we were probably going to lose that 1-0 or, or whatever the case is, but we held our own. Um, obviously, from the defensive side of things, we've been – suspect lately mm -hmm. um you know what 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 do you think about that like do you think that's 
do you think that's going to hold true 11 on 11 or do you see something that that might you know change that in in one team's favor versus another if i had to put a guess on it i'm guessing another draw um we're very even we match up very evenly in most positions um ram up front worries me um i feel like he the runs he makes he could get around joe matip he's not gonna body verge because I don't think anybody can body verge. <laughs> but um, but if he gets matched up against Matip, then I think you guys will sneak in a few goals. <laughs> uh, he's, he's just so tough. And, and the problem is, and it has been lately too, um, even though we've had a decent run of form the last five games or so, it will dominate possession, you know, 60-40 you know, 65, 35, even sometimes, and just not get the chances. And either that or they'll get to the final third and they'll piss it away. Um, with, and you guys touched on it before as well with, with Chelsea, it's the indecision in the box that has been kind of killer. And, you know, either they need to make that extra pass or they need to shoot. If it's Mo Salah, I will let him, dribble around defenders and do whatever he can because he's right now in my honest opinion and obviously biased opinion, he's the best, the best in the world, but, um, and he can shoot anytime he wants, but as far as Sadio Mane taking some of the chances that he's given, um, he's just, he was just kind of goal hunting a little bit, especially in the beginning of the year. But I think that um, they're finally starting to get into a rhythm where they're, not necessarily just goal hunting. They're they're looking out for uh, getting goals for the team and getting goals for their teammates. So uh, long-winded answer is I think we're probably pretty even, and I think we're honestly going to draw. One thing that's interesting that I was just looking at is Chelsea have the easier mid midweek matchup. We played Brighton, and you guys have. Lester, so on, on paper, that's a tougher matchup for you. Provided However, that they play. Provided right. they play. <laughs> However, uh, you guys have an extra day of rest because you play tomorrow and we play on Wednesday. So that, that's going to be an interesting – I think it's an interesting midweek decision for us is how do we line up against Brighton because right. I, I, I think, like, we have to have Tiago in this game because – you know, Liverpool has goal-scoring threats that that only Thiago is the person I trust, like, getting in, in between mm. Mo Salah and the goal and getting in between people and, and making really solid reads and, and stops. So I, he has to play. So that means, to me, if, if he picked up a recent knock, that we can't play against Brighton. So it's going to be interesting how, how Tuchel lines us up against Brighton in advance of the Liverpool match, knowing that we need certain players to, to be fully fit. So, and then Liverpool's got an extra day of rest. So I think that benefits them a little bit, but um, you also have to contend with Jamie Vardy running down your throat for 90 minutes. So after uh, even four Red Bulls, it's a Vardy party and, and a couple of vodkas, Matt. So yeah, all <laughs> uh, I think on paper, they, they line up pretty even, like you said, Joe, I just think I don't see the match ending in a draw because I think it's going to be a, a match of, who takes advantage of a, of a couple of rare opportunities and, yeah. and that can break either way. I think it's going to be like 
three goal scoring opportunities for both teams and one one team converts two and the other converts one so it's going to be it'll be a brawl man it'll be a fight so it's uh it's always fun and uh after the new year uh watching on a sunday it's always a good time so nervous excited all the above emotions will be flowing hopefully is that it's just not going to be a match where it's just going to stay in the midfield and i love the team but sometimes the possession just kicking around in the midfield for five ten minutes at a time it is fucking torture (laughs) did you watch our match against brentford (laughs) okay you must have it is it is not it is not a fun style of football at times but um i think Parker, going to back with what you were saying, I think this might be a little bit more of a matchup where there's going to be a lot of free runs. I think it's going to be a little bit more open than it maybe has been in the past. So I guess we'll see. Here's here's where those free runs are coming out. I think this is going to be the matchup to watch. Last time we played, Marcus Alonso was in the middle of his tear, scoring three goals in three matches or whatever the hell it was. Now he's been on our man of the get the fuck out of here list just about all month. And he's got to go up against Mo Salah. It, this is going to be a shit show. I'm not looking forward to it. it. It's all going to depend on how much ground Antonio Rudiger can make up in Alonzo's wake. Because also keep in mind, Marcus Alonzo has not conceded a penalty in like three matches. So he's due. <laughs> so, I mean, we're already starting down one nil. Eternal, I, You're the eternal pessimist right now. This is a weird side that I haven't seen. No, I'm, I'm honestly, the, I, I'm I'm terrified of the exact same thing. I, I because we don't have chills, obviously. Alonzo, I I can't even tell you the amount of comments I read about how slow Marcus Alonzo is. It was outstanding. Like who who the hell is going to keep up with Mo Salah? Chillwell. Maybe for a little bit, not for a full 90, especially with our system with him darting up and down. I think you're going to have to put Cho in a little bit more of a defensive position if you start him on the left. Maybe not have him press so much. Maybe just have Alonzo go for it and have Cho drop back immediately to be able to keep up with Salah. It there is no way that Alonzo is going to keep up with him. And that terrifies me. To, to stop Salah, Rudiger is going to have to commit a hate crime in defense. Rudy is going to have to go full KDB on Salah and, and just, just, just concussion. I was just standing here, sir. He ran into me. <laughs> the other thing is if they're going to start Bobby or not, because Bobby's coming back from injury. So, in, in Klopp, I think, just has a soft spot for him in his heart. And he – and Andy and I had talked about this in the past. He – and Matt, you're going to hate this comparison, but he and Jorginho are kind of like <laughs> almost doing the same in the fact that at times they make such good decisions when they're on the ball and – their runs off the ball but then at the same time they also make just terrible mistakes <laughs> so, and, and Bobby sometimes just does a little bit too much dribbling and, and it 
cost them quite a bit. It cost them a lot of chances. So we'll see who they have up front, um, who they play up front, whether they're going to try with uh, Jota or even run out Origi, depending on how the, the match against Leicester goes. So, Joe, who would be your preference? So you have Salah, you have Mane, who is going to run up top? Jota. 100% Jota. I mean, he's just, not only is he in great form, he's just so much quicker. He's just so much quicker. And the runs he makes and how good he is, deceptively good he is in the air, I think he's just a lot better. I mean, I love Bobby to death. He'll be a red forever. But, I mean, you just can't deny how good Jota has been playing. Do you guys line up in a 4-3-3, Joe? Yes, with a false nine. It's going to be a fun one, man. I, uh, I'm yeah, I can't wait to see it. So Andy got COVID, kind of washed together. Yeah, you, you can blame my wife and her million fucking Christmases. <laughs> Your wife. Classic. <laughs> so, Joe, re- answer this for me. This seems to be the, the raging debate is who's the better – Wing back or fullback, Reese James or Trent Alexander Arnold? That's tough. Um, the nice thing about Trent now is that he at least put a little bit more work into the defensive side. Um, and they have a good enough rotation to where he's able to play up so far and they can cover for him and let him come back. I mean, him and Andy Robertson have the highest motors I have ever seen out of a left and right back. I mean, they just, they don't stop running for 90 straight minutes. And that's a tough one. Bias tells me Trent, um, but otherwise I think they're very even. We we can agree that both are better than uh, Jao Cancelo, right? (laughs) True. Agreed. Right. I just hope we get to see uh, Koba feature, you know, for a full ninety against against Liverpool. I think his physicality, if he does line up in that like you know left mid role, he can kind of help with maybe stopping Mo's runs before they get started, or, or maybe picking off the ball before you know a play gets developed on that side. So um, did did he's he play back. in the did he play in the first match against Liverpool, or was that Jorginho and Conte? Ooh, good question. I would have to look it up. I, don't I think it was Jorginho and Conte, if I remember correctly. And what's interesting is, like like we said, with the red card, you kind of throw all strategy out the window. And, right. uh, and you have to kind of bail on your plan of, of second half subs and sort of make some survival subs and, and, and hang on for dear life, which luckily we did. Yeah, I think... Hmm. To me, it'd almost be fun to see. Uh, and again, you guys are going to be shocked to see a Conte Kovacic midfield. I think that would be fun. I think you almost have to at this point. Jorginho's running on fumes with that. He's Still hasn't healed from that back injury. Yeah. If, 
if uh, Kova's ready to go and Conte is destroyed, then uh, yeah, I, I think that's what you have to run with because God forbid we see Ross Barkley in this match. And I would. I, I don't think RLC is ready for it either. No, I, I honestly, from what I've seen out of Saul in at least the last two games, I it, it wouldn't. I would put him above Ross by a landslide. And again, we've talked about this. It's a better role for him to be in that kind of Jorginho distribution type role. Um, we we've seen him do a lot better. I don't like him as a quasi left back. I don't like him as a, you know, quasi left mid or whatever the hell he's trying to do up top, but having him in that defensive midfield role, which he's used to, that's what he did at Atletico. It suits him a lot better and he thrives in that position. So I will take him over Ross any day of the week. I hope Ross comes and then for just, takes him out i hate ross barkley so much please please make it happen let, let, let's all will it into existence <laughs> you've been and good matt, at that lately matt I, I firmly believe if if saul does uh, get the start uh we will see his exit then because i think he's gonna get completely dominated even in his preferred role i think he's gonna get exposed uh the matches that he is featured in that, have, that he's done well in are, are not Liverpool quality matches. Oh, no, I, I completely <laughs> agree. Trust me. I don't want Saul to start, but I'm just saying with the issues going Ross. on. Him over Ross, I yes. agree. Uh, I, I just, I, if we I'm see him. I'm not going to be happy about it. <laughs> I know. If we see him, I just think you can, uh, if, if Tuchel doesn't send him back to Spain, our fans might just pick <laughs> him up and, and walk him back. Go fund me. <laughs> GoFundMe will we'll pay for the for the plane ticket. The other thing I got to touch on is that your keeper, Mendy, whenever he comes up against us, he seems to always be just playing out of his fucking mind. The, the first match, he made some just outrageous saves. And I'm pretty sure the match before that, he had as well. And so it's, it's just one of those things. It's one of those players that you just don't look forward to facing because you know that it just your team just brings out the best in them and it really fucking sucks having it be the keeper because he he was on his head that first match i mean we had 20 some attempts and he was stopping everyone so i guess we'll we we, facing manuel neuer i would say we we all have that team for us with chelsea it's usually newcastle like like pickford or 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 pickford against like he was i don't know what he was doing he was blowing bubbles out of his ass while saving everything like i don't even know what the hell he was doing like he, he he couldn't do anything wrong he was standing on his head doing whatever the hell he wanted and just blocking everything he played ridiculous Blowing bubbles out of his ass. Yeah. That's a new one. I say I haven't heard that. So <laughs> we get Arlo to say that. Finish your drink if Arlo says that. Standing on his head, blowing bubbles out of his ass. Uh on the, the bubbles out of his ass note. Let's uh let's close this thing out. Uh 
as always, you can follow us on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at FlagDownPod. Uh, if you like Joe's content, you can certainly follow him, Big Marquette guy, Big Bucks guy, uh, at JoeMach64. Uh, you can also subscribe, rate, and review to our podcast anywhere that you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, etc. And, uh, you know, as always, boys, it's been a pleasure and uh, looking forward to watching this game and i'm sad we can't watch it together yeah thanks, thanks for man. joining us yeah thanks bud appreciate you coming on absolutely anytime cheers boys later i'm all potted out